Everybody's stressed out with the coronavirus, just exacerbating anxiety. I mean, that's been a hot topic in a lot of my sessions is the coronavirus and, you know, establishing some normalcy and, you know, establishing that locus of control, making sure that we're going to, you know, be okay. One of, one of the requirements uh, for receiving continual uh, unemployment benefits is that uh, you fill out applications, job applications. And uh, obviously right now the, the uh, unemployment uh, Commission uh, here in Oklahoma, they're uh, you know taking some steps to try to make it easier. At least according to them, they're they're taking some steps to make it easier uh, for for people to file uh, if they're out of work. Hi, I'm Ben Felder with the Frontier, and this is COVID nineteen in Oklahoma, a daily podcast from the Frontier focused on the coronavirus pandemic in Oklahoma. On today's episode, we'll discuss how prepared the state of Oklahoma is for a rise in unemployment claims. We'll also hear from a mental health therapist about the impact COVID-19 is having on mental health workers and their clients. Today is Sunday, March 22nd. Yesterday's latest report from the Oklahoma Health Department stated there are now 53 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state. There are a total of 10 Oklahomans hospitalized because of the coronavirus. On Saturday, the Frontier's Cassie McClung reported that the OU Medical Center in Oklahoma City is reusing face masks and triage gowns, while a doctor who owns a clinic in a rural Oklahoma town is completely out of masks for symptomatic patients and is making her own hand sanitizer. These are just some of the stories that are playing out at medical facilities across the state as healthcare workers are facing a critical shortage of masks, surgical gowns, and other personal protective equipment to protect them from COVID-19. The Frontier's Clifton Adcock is looking into the state's unemployment benefit system as the number of out-of-work Oklahomans is on the rise due to the coronavirus. Clifton joins me now over the phone from Tulsa. And Cliff, how prepared is Oklahoma? Right. I, I spoke with the uh, economist for the Oklahoma Employment Security Commission uh, last week, and uh, he was fairly confident uh, that uh, Oklahoma would be able to handle this. Um, in fact, he said, uh, you know, during the 2008 uh, economic downturn into 2009 uh, that uh, it was able to handle the uh, unemployment trust fund was able to handle you know all of the claims that had can come in uh, with the economic downturn and still have plenty left over. Uh, right now he says uh, there's more than a billion dollars in in Oklahoma's uh, unemployment uh, insurance trust fund, um, and uh, if you look at the Department of Labor's numbers. It shows that Oklahoma is in a fairly good position compared to other states. Uh, in fact, uh, we're compared to Texas, uh, we're in really good shape. Um, if you look at Texas, uh, they only have maybe uh, $800 million more in their tr- uh, trust fund wow. uh, for unemployment than we do. Wow. So that's some encouraging news, I guess, on that front. Um, and we expect more of those numbers to come out. Now, there was some news even just a couple of weeks ago on unemployment, on the unemployment front, uh, some action taken by the House actually maybe going in the other direction, right? That is correct, yes. Uh, as of uh, last Wednesday, or Wednesday before last, uh, the House uh, passed a bill that would, uh, that would have uh, cut the, uh, the amount of time that an individual can get 
uh, unemployment benefits in half from 26 weeks to 12 weeks. So I think there were some amendments that that changed the. Uh, it, it was based on the amount of unemployment, the unemployment rate in in Oklahoma, and uh, I believe some of the changes were up if if unemployment was above six percent, it would have uh, kicked in and uh, extended the the benefit period, but. On the surface, it, it basically cuts unemployment, you know, the length of time in half to 12 weeks. It's currently at 26 weeks now. Yeah. I mean, just another example of how things, how much things have quickly changed. I mean, uh, less than right. two weeks ago, legislature is looking at cutting that period, and now there's a lot of focus on what are we going to do with these rising numbers. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to take a look at this yet. I know you're still doing some reporting uh, on this subject, but what about, like, the requirements for unemployment um Benefits. I, I know that so much is geared towards encouraging people to go back out into the workforce and, and find employment. But right now we're in an era where a lot of people are being told to not go out and, and work. I mean, to, to stay home or if you work in the right. service sector, there's those jobs just aren't available. Right. One of one of the requirements uh, for receiving continual uh, unemployment benefits is that uh, you fill out applications, job applications. And, uh, Obviously, right now the the uh, unemployment uh, commission uh, here in Oklahoma, they're uh, you know taking some steps to try to make it easier. At least according to them, they're they're taking some steps to make it easier uh, for for people to file uh, if they're out of work. Um, a lot of it can be almost all of it can be done online. Uh, the uh, the person I spoke to at uh, OESC uh, last week said, yeah, it, most of this can be done online. Uh, you don't necessarily need to come in. You know, fill out job applications online, uh, things like that. So, do they feel comfortable that the uh, online system can handle the, the rise in traffic? <laughs> that was funny. I asked, actually asked him about that, and he said, "Well, I'm not uh, real certain about that, just because he doesn't handle the technical side of it. You know, the uh, the IT side." Uh, but he 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 said he hadn't seen anything really that would uh, cause concern. Okay, well, that's uh, that for that system to be working would be uh, definitely important well, at a time like this. That's right. That's right. We're we're going to circle back around to that one. Yeah. Well, that's such an important aspect of this uh, employment. Uh, so many Oklahomans, as so many Americans, are are losing job opportunities. There are some sectors that are hiring. Uh, it seems like grocery stores and warehouses right now that are they're seeing increased demand. But so many restaurants. Um, you know, are closed. And, you know, even over the last couple of days, some that have tried to hold on to do takeout service have said, no, we just, we just aren't seeing the business that we need. We're going to have to totally close. So a lot of Oklahomans, a lot of families are going to be in a desperate situation. Um, at least some good news that the state system seems like financially, it might be able to handle this a little bit better than some other states. Um, but we're just gonna have to wait and see what this looks like, because we just, we actually just don't know what these final numbers are going to look like. Right, right. It, there's a, uh, there's uh, some initial evidence that shows there's uh, there's been there has been a uh, pretty good jump in uh, initial claims that have been filed. You know, people who have filed for the first time, not continuing claims. Um, but it's going to be uh, probably next week uh, before we can see what the uh, the overall impact is going to be. Because you got to remember, not only are we uh, dealing with restaurant closures and stuff like that. 
but the price of oil, which yeah. you know so many Oklahoma workers depend on, has has fallen too. You know, a lot of a lot of it to do with you know Saudi Arabia and Russia, as well as uh, the decreased travel here in the nation. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's kind of a one-two punch there. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, another thing that's changed so much. A week and a half ago, our focus was on the oil prices and what that meant for the energy sector, which is still uh, in, in, on not stable ground. But uh, it just is. There's so many sectors right now in the state are, are hurting. Cliff, earlier this week, you also interviewed a Norman woman who had tested positive for coronavirus. What can you tell us about her experience? Yes, uh, that was uh, Amanda Nelson uh, from uh, Norman. She was uh, good enough to speak with me uh, last week. Uh, she said her symptoms started last Friday, and uh, they uh, included you know, fever, uh, running a low-grade fever, body aches, uh, chills, uh, and uh, her real big problem was that she had asthma as well. Mm. And so she didn't think she had it because at that point in time, everybody was uh, kind of screening for, you know, have you gone, you know, travel overseas? You know, have you been in contact with someone who's been quarantined? And she didn't fit any of those criteria. So she didn't think she had it. Uh, but when she tried to uh, go to her emergency room at the direction of her primary care physician, uh, and this was on uh, last Saturday, I believe, uh, she was uh, she couldn't get in because she was having respiratory issues. By that point, she had been experiencing shortness of breath, and uh, you know, with her asthma, it was it was you know pretty bad, and so they wouldn't let her into the the uh, the, hot, the clinic uh, at that time. Uh, so she had to get in contact with the health department. Uh, who uh, searched around and found a hospital that she could go actually get a test at. And once she got that test, on Tuesday, the test results came back and uh, showed that she was positive for coronavirus. Um, now, she said it was, it was difficult to get any treatment for her you know, breathing difficulties or anything like that up until the point she tested positive. And then after that, uh, she was able to get some help. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she self quarantined and has been uh been that way for the last week now yeah and it's kind of a good a reminder of just how much has changed in a week you, you mentioned that la- you know just a week ago tests were only being given to those people who seemed to, to fit the profile of, of traveling overseas or being in contact with someone and, and now it sounds like the tests as they're available are, are being offered uh, a little bit more liberally to people who just have symptoms right that's right that's right uh yeah at that time you know it was uh there was no uh, indication of community spread, even though uh, she was, uh, you know, obviously one of the cases where showing where, yes, there is now community spread of uh, the disease. Earlier this week, I traveled to Edmond to visit with a therapist to hear about the impact the coronavirus is having on the mental health sector. There is a push to do more teletherapy sessions although some insurance plans are making that difficult. Because many therapists are paid for the clients they see, a sudden decrease in appointments because of social distancing guidelines has become a challenge for mental health therapists and their own income. My name is Haley Twyman-Breck, and I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Oklahoma. So for our agency, we we see clients as well as we hold educational seminars. So the full uh, name of our practice is Edmund Counseling and Professional Development. And so... uh, from the client's perspective, we've had 
quite a few difficulties in securing telehealth services. So telehealth is being able to hold sessions uh, via HIPAA compliant software like doxy.me or um, VC, uh, which is basically, it's like Skype, but it's more, of course, HIPAA compliant. Um, and so our biggest struggle is in order to maintain the social distancing, we're having to uh, accommodate to people's worries, which is understandable, you know? Um, this virus is potentially dangerous. It is probably going to come sooner rather than later. And so we want to maintain services for these clients, but it's difficult whenever insurance companies won't cover it. Um, we're having a big problem with one major insurance company that a lot of individuals in Oklahoma have, um, just flat not covering telehealth. And so that puts us in a pickle because if we're having symptoms or if a client's having symptoms or if we are working with clients in, a vulnerable, in the vulnerable population, like how do we provide services to them? We have to continue to meet in person, which, you know, like I said, if I'm having symptoms or if I have a client in a vulnerable population, that's not going to be possible without risking contaminating them or uh, putting them in danger. And so it kind of puts us in a pickle there. Uh, also, there's been a lot of cancellations, which is understandable because of the fears. You know, we're, we're trying to rev up practice and getting everything online via telehealth, but that takes time. And in the meantime, if clients aren't comfortable coming in, which is understandable, then you know that's time that without services. And so that either means we have to refer to another agency if they're really severe to in-person, um, or just kind of have to wait it out and do his phone calls and check-ins as much as possible. Probably about, uh, I would say, 30 to 50% every day. So today I've had uh, four cancellations. And so which I've, I've got one more to come in, so I'm going to be able to see six today. But I've had quite a few this week. For a lot of mental health therapists in Oklahoma, it's either contract or hourly work, which basically either way means you're, you're going to get paid for what you work. So if a client doesn't show up or a client cancels, then that's an hour that you don't get paid for. And so a lot of clinicians are seeing a decrease in, in pay in that way. You know, we're fortunate, I'm fortunate at this agency that we offer um, other means of income, so I do continuing education seminars, which have been severely impacted as well. But you know, we also run a podcast for therapists, and of course, we are branching into telehealth. But a lot of therapists in the community are really struggling right now because clients are canceling left and right for good reason. But we don't have the means to provide teleservices right now for a lot of clients. And everybody's stressed out with the coronavirus, just exacerbating anxiety. I mean, that's been a hot topic in a lot of my sessions is the coronavirus and, you know, establishing some normalcy and, you know, establishing that locus of control, making sure that we're going to, you know, be okay. And sometimes people just need to come in and process it. Everybody's stressed out, just baseline right now. And so it's really important. I know I'm biased because it's my job, but it's really important that we have these mental health services. And right now we kind of have one hand tied behind our back as we're trying to provide these. That's going to do it for today's episode. Do you have a story idea or a tip you'd like us to investigate? If so, visit readfrontier.org to find contact information. You can also visit readfrontier.org to find a full slate of coronavirus coverage. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you on Monday.